Hello and welcome to today's Air Defenders podcast. Right now I am on with Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Falcon and he is commander of the 1188 Snake Eyes Battalion and yes, he ma'am. is stationed in Japan. Okinawa, Japan. Okay. And um, well, what's it like over there? Well, right now it's uh, it's pretty dark. It got about 1130 at night. And uh, as you know, it's a challenge with uh, fighting the time difference between the CONUS organizations and out here in the Pacific, over. I know. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've had some trouble getting connected here. But anyways, I wanted we wanted to talk to you. We wanted to make sure that we got this podcast out there because there's a lot of stuff that's going on and just around PACOM. And I wanted to make sure that we captured some of that in real time um, because I think it's good for current events and also just historical purposes. So um, I'm glad that we're getting to talk. So if you can, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your position's like over there. Well, uh, my name is Anthony Falcon. I'm from Northwest Florida, uh, born and raised in the lower Alabama, lower Georgia, North Florida area. Um, commissioned through West Point and uh, found myself in the air defense by choice, number three on my list, um, and really commissioned into an army at war. Uh, spent the first 10, 10, 12 years of my career doing the R4 gen cycle of rotations and uh, repeats and that sort of thing and spent about, I suppose, about four years of my total career at this point um, in Korea, now being assigned to 1188 Okinawa, Japan, two more years in Japan. so. A lot of years in the Pacific, so it's it's an interesting time to be out here and to be in command. Okay. So, what are some of the things that um, that y'all have going on right now? What are some of the mission sets that you have? Well, right now, and this is the beginning of June, we've just finished up our last deployment and live fire event to the country of the Philippines. First ever Patriot live fire in the Philippines, uh, which we did there. Um, we were there last year, which we did the first ever Patriot insertion on um, Marine Corps hovercraft out of the beaches there. Uh, but this year we wanted to top that, so we did a live fire event. But the next event for us is going to be our, our second ever live fire in the country of Palau, uh, which is a small island also out in the Pacific. We were there last year, did the first ever Patriot live fire in Palau, went very well. The, the president was very happy that we were there. We had a great reception, uh, and he invited us back to do it again this year. So we're looking forward to that in July. Okay, awesome. So you're making uh, some strides out there. So why why um, do these um, live fire testings? Like what, what does that help you with whenever you set up these missions where you're doing the actual live fire of the Patriot? Well, there's two ways to answer that question. One, it helps us to exercise our expeditionary mission and that these are Indo-Pacific deployments. Uh, our, it's a chance for us to practice our ability to pack up our equipment, ship our equipment, unpack our equipment, and place our equipment, and then conduct a live fire of our equipment. Uh, so that in itself is excellent in terms of training value. But it's also an opportunity for us to uh, do what we do best in the Indo-Pacific, which is to island hop. Uh, the Pacific is quite large and there are a lot of islands throughout. Uh, so every time we jump to a new island and uh, do a live fire and jump to another island, it's it's a chance for us to exercise really our strategic flexibility. As we plan for one of these events, it takes about six months that goes into it 
Um, but it is absolutely from the beginning to making the entry into the into the country or the nation that we're going to, uh, meeting the right people, doing a pre-deployment site survey, getting all of our questions answered. And then it's a process of checklists as we load into ships or aircraft, depending on the mission, and then unload on the other side and then, and then get in place. So it really does allow us to exercise the full spectrum of the operations of Patriot from the beginning of planning through execution all the way to return to home station and conducting an AAR and putting everybody on a reset. Okay, so um, in doing that, I know like, you know, every, everyone's talking about modernizing the force and, you know, the, Ar the Army or 2030 and us getting to the future. Is this aiding in, you know, upgrading any stuff and, and also getting into the Army or 2030? Are we are y'all also doing um, any other capabilities while you're out there, like, you know, testing new things or anything like that? We absolutely are. Um, a part of what we do, of course, is interoperability with partners and allies. So a lot of these missions that we deploy to different locations in Japan or in the Philippines or in Palau or in Australia, it allows us to engage some of that interoperability that we expect to be a key element of our future force as we fight in 2030. Also, it allows us an opportunity to integrate with U.S. capabilities, whether it's Generation 5 aircraft or Aegis cruisers or occasionally an Aegis ashore somewhere. Um, interoperability is the key to our future. So these exercises and events that we do are absolutely a part of the modernization and achieving the Army's ability to fight in the future in the Pacific. Is that the only place that um, live fires these Patriots? Well, I'll share with you some of my background on live firing. The first time I did a live fire was in 34388 back in 2004 at the White Sands Missile Range McGregor Range Complex. I didn't do another live fire until I took battalion command here in 1188. So while we do live fires, uh, CONUS, mainly in the Fort Bliss White Sands Missile Range area, it's different than what we see in the Indo-Pacific. We in 1188, 38th 88 Brigade and 94th AAMDC are executing regular live fire opportunities to the extent of about three to four a year, which is unusual for the Air Defense Force, but has become become common for us in the Indo-Pacific. Awesome. Well, um, so does, does it, whenever y'all are doing the live fire and everything, does it have an effect on the system? Have you had problems with maintenance and stuff after you've uh, fired off or you have to have a, you know, like a reset phase before you go back into the next? We always try to reset after conducting a deployment, but maintenance is a 24-7 part of our operations. If you've ever worked in or around the Patriot system, you know that you must prioritize maintenance almost ahead of anything else or else you will not be able to execute your mission. We find that to be true in the Indo-Pacific, especially because of its unique environmental factors. A lot of corrosion, a lot of salt water, a lot of rust. Maintenance is the number one concern. So when we conduct these live fires and we conduct these deployments, whether it's on a beach somewhere like it was in the Philippines or, or out in Palau, we have got to be on top of the maintenance uh, and especially doing the maintenance recovery after we do a live fire. So um, is there something that's different about where you're at that's allowing you to um, do more of these missions than they are able to do here in, you know, um, California or Texas or wherever they're doing that? 
Well, a few years back, there was a real shift towards the Pacific. And in the Pacific, I think we see a lot of competition going on amongst nations. In that regard, the allies and partners in the United States are very, very interested in doing things with us, the Air Defense Force. So I think that really outlines the difference between what you see perhaps in a CONUS uh, environment where you're focused on training or perhaps a CENTCOM deployment rotation versus Indo-PACOM where it really is a partner-rich environment of people who are bending over backwards to do things with you. Um, and we are well enabled by our higher echelon commands, U.S. Army Pacific and others to, to be able to do things with our partners and allies. So I think that makes a big difference and gives us a lot of unique opportunities that you don't necessarily find in the CONUS air defense units. I see. So, um, and everything that's going on in, you know, just that region right now, is that affecting y'all in any way? Are you having to like um, do different things or, you know, just set up procedures differently? Well, there's a saying in the Indo-Pacific, and I think it probably originated out of the 8th Army in Korea. But the saying is, we fight tonight. Uh, and it's something that permeates our thoughts as we train to be ready for any mission at any time. I would say that the current uh, environment in the Pacific sometimes can be tense, uh, but really it just highlights the need for readiness. And these events that we do, the live fires, the deployments, they all feed into the, our, our readiness as a battalion and our ability to execute our mission. On top of that, we do some regularly, about quarterly readiness exercises to make sure that um, we're able to conduct no notice events if we were ever needed to do so. Um, but I would agree that the environment in the Pacific that we are experiencing is one that really does impact our readiness and it, it just prioritizes it higher perhaps than um, somewhere you might find maybe Conus or somewhere else. And, you know, on the lighter side of that, are you able to do some you know, like MWR activities? Are you able to utilize your leaders like, you know, in a way where they're able to have partnerships with their subordinates and like, is there, are there a lot of families living over there? Do you still do stuff like that? Absolutely. Uh, I grew up in a battalion where the motto was work hard, play hard. And I see that even to this day in 1-1-ADA. There's so many opportunities for us to do awesome and amazing things with the Air Force here on Kadena Air Base where we're stationed, with the Marines that we share Okinawa with, um, and then other Army forces on the island. Uh, we are mostly geographical bachelors here in Okinawa because of the distance. And it's a little bit uh, difficult for families to move out here to be a part of this team. And we understand that. But that being said, we do. We have about 30% of our force have brought their families. So we have uh, family readiness groups that are active and involved in going out to do things, whether it's the basketball games for the local Ryuku Kings, or maybe it's going out to do scuba diving. Uh, Okinawa is a very unique place that apparently it's like the scuba diving capital of the world. Uh, personally, I've, I've taken my family out to go see whales. So I thought that was amazing. There's just tremendous opportunity out here to do fun stuff. Okay, awesome. So where do you see your battalion in the future? Are you going to be there that much longer? Sadly, I am on my way out. I have approximately 30 days left. I'll change out just at the end of this month with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Catalina Rosales, who's coming to us from the Joint Staff in the Pentagon. But the battalion in the future, I think, is going to continue in the same path that we've done over the last two years, which is a relatively high op tempo consisting of deployments to, to islands throughout the Indo-Pacific. 
It's been beneficial to the strategic messaging, but it's also been beneficial to our readiness. It's something the soldiers really enjoy, and it's something I think um, empowers us as leaders to be able to go out and have a real-world impact uh, to a strategic mission. It, it just It's a powerful thing, and truly everybody loves being a part of it. So I think one moment continue to, to engage in success in the future. Okay, perfect. So if you were going to talk to someone who was thinking about joining the air defense branch, you know, what would you say to them? I suppose the first thing I would say is listen to your heart and follow what your calling is. But if your heart's telling you to come out and be a part of the front edge of a competitive environment, to do something strategic, to do something that matters in the world, to defend millions of people with your capabilities, I would say 1180A or any job in the Indo-Pacific is where you want to be. It's an uncertain world and uncertain environment, but it feels good to be a part of a winning team. And that's certainly what we do in the Snake Eyes Battalion. Well, there you have it. That was Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Falcon, commander for the 1180A, on with us speaking about PACOM in the current environment. And I am your host, Amber Osei, PAO for the ADA Commandant. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Today's Air Defenders podcast. Until next time.